This is Takeaway Only, a podcast about the hospitality industry in crisis. I'm Howie Kahn, and these are the stories of the people who take care of you. Today's guest is Bobby Stuckey, a master psalm and co-founder of Boulder, Colorado's Frasca Hospitality Group. Bobby joins us to talk about what's up in Washington, why storytelling matters, and how people like him are going to get Congress to act. Because it's Bobby Stuckey, we're also going to hit on wine and work and even wedding anniversaries. We're back tomorrow with an all-new guest. Please hit subscribe so you don't miss it. Stay tuned now for Bobby. We were talking the other day, and uh, we were talking about the work you're doing with the uh, Independent Restaurant Coalition. And you said something really interesting to me. You said, why didn't we have the IRC 50 years ago? I'm wanting you to unpack that statement for me a little bit now. Sure. And I could really go deep on this. Uh, you know, the IRC only started four, four and a half weeks ago. And, and uh, <clears throat> I've been in the restaurant business my whole adult life, most of my adolescent life. I love our industry. I've been a restaurant owner for 16 years. And I didn't understand our own fragility. Um, and so if I didn't understand it, of course, the people on the Hill in D.C. don't understand it. Even though they might be both sides of the aisle, really bright people, they, they just don't know the metrics. And um, it's because we haven't had the IRC. We, we, we have the National Restaurant Coalition and, or National Restaurant Association, but that, is made, that includes everything. And we're so different in our industry. When you really think of independent restaurants, smaller, um, independent operated restaurants, you make up 11 million jobs and you're like, oh, that's a lot of jobs. Well, it's 15 times more than the airlines. And then when you start hearing it like that, and look, I love the airlines, but just to give you, just to have a level set, 11 million jobs is an enormous piece with another 10 million jobs that directly are ancillary jobs because of the restaurant, because of independent restaurants. And it's no uh, wonder that we don't get anything in restaurants from the PPP came and went and it barely touched restaurants and it wasn't right for restaurants, we're closed. And that's why we needed this 50 years ago. Our industry is important. Uh, it has not been thought of as the powerful industry that it is. And it's powerful in so many different ways, Howie. It's not just a lot of jobs. It's so much. It's, if you're new to this country, you're welcome in the restaurant industry. If, God forbid, you made a mistake and need a second chance, we're here for you. If you, we just take anybody. And that's so important and so powerful. What has your experience been like now being on the phone with, with members of Congress? Are they saying, we're happy to hear you and help you? Or are they saying, you guys have been in the game for four and a half weeks, wait your turn? Um, a little bit of both. I think what happens first is I didn't know anything about DC before this. And uh, if you would have asked me six weeks ago if I would be talking to either senators, Congress people, governors, mayors, I would have said probably, no, I'm really busy. Well, now it's time to, to do that. Um, it's both. First of all, I think when you explain to them 
the metrics and the amount of numbers and you compare it to industries that they fight for tooth and nail for, it does open up their eyes. It lets them say, oh, wow, I didn't know that. So that does help. But you have to realize, and they, they, some of them can be very, um, very frank with you. They're like, you know, when I use something like another industry, they might say, but Bobby, they have had their story told to us for 30 years. You have to understand that. And it's not that they're being mean to me or shutting the door on me, but they're saying, hey, understand this. And, and that's, that's sometimes hard to hear. Yeah, I mean, that kind of institutional storytelling is powerful. It becomes part of the fabric of, of government. I mean, D.C. is packed with lobbyists, people stumping for different positions of different corporations. The independence of independent restaurants make restaurants wonderful and, and unique, but this coalition needs to exist. Yeah. And, and one last thing on that, if you, just to, since we talked the other day, um, the farmers got an $18 billion carve-out, right? Stumped on the fact that restaurants are closed. Like they got a package already solely based on us being closed. I'm sure there's a, a realtor developer package happening that I don't even know about that will be based on us being closed. Well, because they're better at telling their stories. They're getting their packages because their storytelling's better at the moment. We'll get good at it, but they're literally using us in their storytelling to get their help. And we need help right now. So who's going to be responsible for the storytelling for the restaurant business? Um, right now, I mean, I, I'm very proud to be with the team at the IRC. And there's so many great, bright people from around the country from all different types of restaurants that are working so hard. I mean, the, these people that uh, I'm working with at IRC, they're working really hard and they're doing a great job. And they're from all different types of independent restaurants, all different walks of life, uh, all different uh, geographic re regions. It's really diverse and it's, it's been really a silver lining for me because, hey, um, yeah, I, I'm learning a lot too. You know, and, and I'm learning from these people that I will take forward with this. Thorn Run Partners are the lobbying firm that you guys have hired. Tell me yes. about working with them and what you've learned from them in a short amount of time. Well, Stuart and Chris are the people we, uh, uh, we work with most. Um, and I'm sure they didn't know what they were getting into. Uh, you know, when you say independent restaurant coalition, there's one. We all understand restaurants. We all understand coalition, but independent restaurant coalition, these guys are warriors because they're dealing with, you know, on any given day, 60 different independent operators from around the country that are fiery, fiery independent. And they're, they do a great job of getting up to speed about the needs of the restaurant. Chris and Stuart do such a good job and they're mentoring us because they're quicker at learning our needs than us learning DC's needs. And if we didn't have them, it wouldn't, it would be a non-starter. You're 
famous for your your hospitality. Your restaurants are, but you have your own reputation as a sort of Jedi master of of the art of of hospitality. Like you can remember who sat at table thirty nine on this date ten years ago and tell me what wine they drank. What can hospitality and and the intelligence that informs it add to the lobbying process? What what do you guys bring uniquely from knowing what you know into DC? Well, I think the ability to listen when something is told to you that you don't want to hear. I think if you're a true hospitality person, it's not about you. Um, it's always about the other person. And so I think if you are great at hospitality, you have a, a, a better gift to be able to listen to a, a politician when they tell you something you don't want to hear because you've had so many guests over the years tell you things in fiery exchanges on a Friday night that you don't want to hear that it's, it's easier for one of us to let it roll off our back and keep listening and stay engaged. Um, I think it's, it's helpful. It's true. It's like that whole culture of send it back, make it better. Yeah. You guys take it back and, and you make it better. So I, I do appreciate that answer. Another thing we were talking about the other day is is your kind of sudden smack in the face awareness um, in regards to how fragile the entire industry actually is. Uh, I know you're working with your own restaurant teams on possible reopening scenarios. How do you intend to add greater strength to your own businesses? Well, I think... Um, and I'm, I'm, I'll speak for myself, but I'm also speaking for 600,000 independent restaurants. We are an industry that has unfortunately let ourselves kind of get kicked around the last millennia. And um, if you think about it, it's normal for two restaurant people or 100 restaurant people to say, Oh, yeah, you know, our industry normal is 10%. I mean, I literally grew up hearing 10% profit is the goal. In the last couple of years, it's gotten whittled down, whittled down, whittled down to last year, I think the industry average was 6%. And that is very precarious. Very few brilliant CEOs on Wall Street or in finance or in insurance or in medical devices would ever want to take a position in an industry that 6% is considered normal. And to put it in perspective, if you think about the 2008, restaurants didn't get any bailout. We didn't need it. We just dealt with it. If you think of the restrictions the Hill put on banking, in 2008, still gave them abilities to make profits that we would only dream of. I mean, that just puts it in perspective. Our best quarters or our best years are nothing compared to an industry that had to get bailed out and get restrictions put on it. They still blew away our profit. And so it lets us realize that we need a reset button. We need to take a deep breath and say, we need a few people to understand our fragility, and those people are on the civic level, our mayors and our city councils in every city, on a state level, 
the state politicians and the governors need to understand this. And then on the uh, federal level, and then on the guest level, if you take those, those groups, we all have to have a reset and say, you know, we can't have an industry like this that, that is living on that razor thin margin because it's just, it's not tenable. So part of it starts with changing the culture by raising your standards. Yes. And raising what we, on, on all different levels, we have to be able to, you know, there's so many little things that you can carve up. I mean, there's so many little things that are just the deck of cards are, 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 are stacked against restaurants. And we, you don't want to do that with such a major workforce. I think you should offer to host as many of the lobbying meetings in your restaurant as possible. Okay, done deal. Home field advantage. Yeah, yeah that's right. Matters. It definitely matters. Um, on top of on top of having restaurants, you have a wine business as well. Yes, Italian wines. You deal with wine growers, winemakers in Italy, uh, a part of the country that's been hit really hard by COVID nineteen. Can you tell me about your ongoing dialogue with your people over there? Yes, um, you know, uh, Lapa and I, my business partner and I, uh, we started making wine over in Friuli Venezia Giulia in two thousand six with a hundred cases of Friulano. And it's grown since then. And, and Lachlan is uh, really, I run the restaurants and he runs Scarpetta. And then we cross over with our job descriptions. But, you know, like today I was getting an email um, from one of our growers and where we make our Sauvignon Blanc from, um, the Patat family and the Palazzolo family. And it's, it's really hard over there. You know, they got hit first. and now they're still being hit. They're still in lockdown. And quite frankly, um, you know, sure, February, not a lot's going on in the vineyards. But now bud breaks happening. You've got a lot of, and not just in Italy, all across Europe, the, uh, the shoots are, are, are pushing. You're, you've had bud break. There's a lot of work to do in the vineyards because there's cycles uh, in the vineyard. And it's, a, it's go time uh, for the beginning part of the growth season. And they need to be able to get those workers out in the vineyards. Also, Europe is kind of shut down. Um, let's say if you work in Manhattan and you live in Connecticut, you can still get into Manhattan. But if you're a, uh, if you're a vineyard worker that seasonally goes up to Friuli from Portugal or from, um, from Eastern Europe, come, come on over. Right now, you can't get in. So there's a really restriction of, of work that can come out and help in the vineyard. So they're getting hit all over the place. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. I mean, France and Spain also, they just came out of this tariff situation where they had the lowest quarter. Uh, France had the lowest quarter of shipments to the U.S. Uh, fourth quarter of this year that they had had since 2008 because of the tariffs we had placed on them. Well, so they got, we, we, did, we didn't place those tariffs. No, but uh, <laughs> our, our, our president did. Yeah. Yeah. Are your family safe over there? Yes. Everyone um, that I am been talking to is safe. Of course, they're scared, but they're resilient people. Friolano people in general are very, very resilient, hardworking, quiet in their suffering. I was just there. Um, 
And it's it's interesting how proud people are there of their resilience. It's this border region that's kind of changed hands, changed governments, changed regimes, changed monarchies, you know, like every 50 to 60 years throughout the course of, of, of history. The whole sense of belonging is based on being adaptable. Wars have been fought there. It's always been kind of a, a place of, of tremendous tension. And, and as a result... The people are very resolved, very hardworking, put their heads down and, and, and just grind. It's one of those situations where they'll figure out how to harvest the grapes and, and make the wine. There might be less of it this year. Yeah, exactly. You know, I always love a Friolano quote is like when they say, uh, you know, like instead of saying, oh, your, your, your restaurants are busy, right? They say, Oh, yes, it's been great. We've gotten a chance to make a lot of work. (laughs) You know, someone else would be like, oh, my God, I've been so busy. They're like, no, we get that their term is we get to make a lot of work. I mean, you just you got to love that. Tell me about your team at the restaurant. You were saying how proud you are of them um, and their fight to get you guys to the other side of this. So what's being worked on every day amongst your staff? And what are some of the strategic initiatives that are happening during this, uh, you know, closed period? Yeah, so we, you know, we we took a stance not to open in the height of coronavirus um, for to go because I I thought safety wise we are not set up to do that perfectly. So we were gonna. So it's now been five weeks. Um, so my executive team that I'm on a call with every day, you know, it's funny. Like I get off those calls so energized because I'm so proud of. Every one of them, Alicia, Carlin, Aaron, Peter, Justin, Dana, Jody, they're amazing because they are, A, letting me carve out a lot of my day for the Independent Restaurant Coalition. I could not do what I'm doing in the IRC if those people weren't doing what they're doing. And they're, they're, they're thinking outside the boxes. Like they have, um, we did, a lot of people have done GoFundMe for their line staff. And we had a couple come to us and said, you need to do a GoFundMe. Um, we're like, and they're like, hey, we'll match us a, a, a generous amount. And they're just a wonderful couple. And my executive team said, okay, we'll do a GoFundMe, but we're going to take, put our own skin in the game. And I'm like, what are we going to do? And they're like, we're going to, and they reached out to some of our importers, put together some packages as part of the GoFundMe. And then they're like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do a Zoom recorded wine class with you and Carlin. We're going to write the whole script up. We're going to record it. And then whoever buys those packages gets it sent out. Then we're going to do a Zoom talk back based on it. And like just all these little things they're doing all the time that takes thinking outside the box that when we get our opportunity, uh, as a Friolano person would say, to work a lot in the restaurant, when we get that opportunity, they've, they're already thinking of different things that is going to make us better and stronger. And and look, I think, I think to go while we're not doing it during the crisis, once we're allowed to be open, doing that um, will be part of the, there will be in fine dining, part of it will be in your, in your house. We will, people will want either to pick up food for a special occasion or, or what was brought up on the call today was like, someone said, Hey, if, if you have a, 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 a 20th anniversary or 30th anniversary in the month of June in Colorado, you can't even have a 10 top in a restaurant. 
where they're not allowed to be in groups of 10. So what if that a, a couple has this big uh, um, landmark celebration they want to do? They could do it at home, and you could have a chef from Frosca and a, a stealth team from Frosca come in, set it up in your house, pour the wine, get out safely once this is open. And they're thinking of these ideas, which is because they're thinking of what the guests' needs are going to be in July for their special occasions if they can't have their normal special occasion. Every restaurant's going to have to in, reinvent itself to some extent as a result of this. 100%. I, you have a, a special celebration coming up. You're about to celebrate your, your 20th wedding anniversary. I would yes. imagine in normal days, you might do that in a restaurant somewhere. Yeah. Uh, what are you, how are you going to do that at home? Well, Danette's right upstairs. I don't want to blow the cover, but I got an idea. But Danette, close your ears. Um, you know, we will be closed and we will be in shelter in place for our 20th. So we're going to have to do something special in our little kitchen next to this uh, photograph and maybe get dressed up and kind of think about where we would have been and just be really thankful that we get to be together. You know? Yeah. I mean, be, the, the gratitude is an important part of, of getting through this for sure. And, um, and you're bless a- her heart. <laughs> Bless her heart, the last 16 years, 15 years of our marriage, she didn't know when we got married 20 years ago that we'd own a restaurant in Boulder, Colorado, which our anniversary happens to fall on graduation weekend, the biggest weekend in restaurant touring in Boulder, which is the least romantic weekend to have an anniversary because you're working your tail end off. So she might like this year's better. You know, I don't know. might, Might be a real hit. At home. Um, on top of everything else, you're a, you're a master psalm. You're a great wine mind. Um, I am drinking a lot of wine right now. I'm looking for recommendations. I think other people are too. So hit me with your uh, coronavirus drinking playlist. A red, a so white, my, my, a sparkling. Yeah. Um, really, your playlist should be based on what you don't normally don't drink. Because this is an opportunity for discovery. So if you are someone who drinks Spanish wine all the time or you work in a Spanish restaurant, that's where you and your loved one go, okay, maybe I won't drink as much Spanish wine this this time period. I'm going to learn about something different. Or if you're someone like me who drinks a lot of Friolano wine, maybe this is a time for me to revisit California. Or So that's how the playlist should start is the opposite of what you're used to. Because this is a great time for discovery, and, and discovering wine is really, really fun. Um, I also think it might be a good, it might just be good to know. I, what we like to do is have a bottle of like, it's open for a couple days as our aperitif while we're cooking. And then, because well, let's be frank, I mean, I, I, I don't want to be a bad influence, but we're going through a bottle of wine a night. So, Same. yeah, it's just a fact of the, the deal. So maybe we, you kind of, pre-game while you're cooking with something a little crisp and refreshing and then whatever you're doing is your discovery that could be anywhere in the world i like it i would also join the the bobby stucky wine club if it could become a direct-to-consumer kind of thing got it i'm in you got you you got my money um our show's called takeaway only bobby what's your big takeaway working through this pandemic i think the big takeaway is all of us should remember 
that I'm going to use a quote from a very, uh, my favorite athlete. He is um, a very humble man in uh, Kenya, in East Africa, Elliot Kipchoge, that the big takeaway is 100% of me is nothing compared to 1% of a team working together. I appreciate that. Thank you for that, Bobby. And thank you for your time today. I appreciate you. Thank you. That was Bobby Stuckey. You can follow him on Instagram at BobbyStuckeyMS. Thank you so much for listening. Takeaway Only is produced by Casey Kahn, Rob Corso, and me, Howie Kahn, for Freetime Media. Our logo is by Reynald Philippe Beepoles. Music by John Palmer. Special thanks to Kristen Millar, Antoine Ricardou, Raphael Weil, and to the whole team at Welcome. Check out their important community building work at welcomeconference.org. We're back tomorrow. This is Takeaway Only.